You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content, and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, wherever you find podcast content, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. Today is going to be a heavy focus on your questions. That is what these Friday shows are for. And I think in the offseason, we're going to spend at least one day a week just answering your questions. We did not have the Locked On Packers fan hotline last offseason, and we were still able to have plenty to talk about because the Packers were involved in so much. And we'll continue to do our series on uh, positions of need for the Packers. So probably start with uh, outside linebacker, uh, depending on the kind of system Green Bay is going to be playing with a new coaching staff. We may just call it edge, defensive end, whatever it is, defensive tackle. There could be some different kinds of needs depending on the kind of system Green Bay is going to play in the offseason. And so we will take that as we get to it uh, and and try and rotate through as many of those need positions as we can get to. And if we have time, get to everything. My goal last offseason was to get through every position group. And we just frankly ran out of time. Uh, because there was too much news to discuss, too many other things going on that that we had to talk about that we just weren't able to get to every position group. And frankly, you know, some of them didn't really need to be discussed that much at the time. The running back groups, it was like, okay, well, we know who the running backs are. And there would have been interesting discussions about how they were going to be deployed moving forward. Ultimately, those discussions would have been fruitless considering how the season played out. It would have been difficult for us to project the usage of Jamal Williams versus Aaron Jones and then the Mike McCarthy struggles to figure that out. But the point is we are going to take as much time as we can to examine this roster in depth, figure out where they can get better in the offseason, where they can improve in the draft, through free agency trades, whatever it is. Uh, those discussions are part of what we're going to be having as we as we move through the spring and into the summer but there's there's really not that much time when you think about it because January we're going to spend a lot of January on new head coaches um and and depending on how long that process takes it may be a week it may be two weeks and then once February comes we've got the combine so it's going to be the draft March is free agency and then April is is full on draft season and by May we've got organized team activities we've got rookie camps all that stuff. So there's really not a lot of dead time in this offseason. So we're going to have to shoehorn in some of these positional explanations and 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 really the questions because there's going to be a lot to discuss and just three days a week to discuss it. There will be emergency podcasts in the offseason for breaking news and for anything that, that we need to get to. 
Um, my, my goal, I think, is to have three shows a week. So, you know, if something breaks on a Monday night, um, we, we need to have a Tuesday show. Maybe we just would have a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday show, let's say. We, we would alter the schedule. So you're going to have to pay a little bit closer attention to what's going on in terms of the schedule. But listen, if you subscribe on whatever podcast app you use to this show, it's a lot easier because by, by magic, you just get the podcast. The podcast just shows up on my phone every morning and I can choose to download it or not, but it's there and I can listen to it. If I have internet, I can listen to it. That is the ideal. So subscribe to the show, leave a review, let other people know that you're enjoying the show. And with that, all of that said, let's get to Packers-Lions for the final game of the season, week 17. Uh, we're going to get to your questions a little bit later, but let's start. Uh, with with uh, the players that are going to be playing because Green Bay is going to play its dudes. It looks like they're going to play their guys. They're going to play to win. And they're going to try to win. And, and we've had a discussion all week about the quality of that plan. And we've also talked about what what there is to gain from these kinds of games. And, and it's interesting because Randall Cobb, you know, maybe in a normal week, in a week 17, he's shut down. Maybe last season he's not playing. Well, He's, he's playing for his livelihood in Week 17. And he, he wants a contract in the offseason, if not from Green Bay, from somewhere else. So he wants another showcase to prove that he can be that guy. Clay Matthews wants another showcase to prove to Green Bay or to whomever else that he can still be an impact pass rusher, despite the fact that we just haven't seen that from him in particular this season. So there, there's still plenty on the line. Guys are are fighting for their livelihoods. That's what these games are for. That's why this idea that, oh, you know, oh, the, the team isn't trying. Yeah, I mean, that can be true. Teams can check out. And I think you can you can look at games this season where Green Bay comes out flat. But the guys on the field are trying to win. They're not blowing assignments intentionally. They're not playing half speed. They're going out because everything you put on tape, what you put on tape is your identity. And if you put on bad stuff, that is how teams are going to view you, whether it's the Packers or someone else. And that's just the reality of the situation. So in terms of the guys that are going to be on the field and aren't going to be on the field. So as far as injuries go for the Packers, I think the the thing that they are most, or at least fans are most thinking about is Devontae Adams because uh, he obviously is, is the one chasing uh, multiple Packers records, Sterling Sharps for catches, Jordy Nelson's for yards. Uh, the touch single season touchdown record as well. Uh, he is officially listed as questionable, which does not make this any easier for the discussion on this podcast because we don't know if that means uh, questionable on the good side or the bad side. They, they got rid of probable. Um, he did not practice all week, but is officially listed as questionable. And I, I think if he weren't chasing records, you wouldn't play him. And because he is... Maybe they will, uh, I, but we just don't know at this point, and it's it's really hard to speculate. My preference, and I've stated this over and over and over, and I'm sorry to beat this dead horse, but my preference would be that he doesn't play because you don't want to risk, uh, if he's less than 100%, you don't want to risk any sort of you know, making the injury worse to the knee. And the thing about playing hurt is you're not playing as fast, you're not playing as precisely, and you're worried about not getting hurt, and and you're worried about the injury, and then that can make you susceptible to other injuries. So that's a problem for the Packers. Um, That is a a decision that they're going to have to make, 
And if he's out there, you got to play him. And and if you if he's out there, you you want him, you know, trying to help your team win. And that's a, a discussion we'll get to a little bit later uh, in the in the podcast. Jair Alexander uh, with his injured groin didn't practice all week. He's officially listed as questionable. I'd be surprised if he played. I think they're going to roll with Tony Brown. Um, Josh Jackson and Bashad Breland as the the three top corners. I think we're gonna you know maybe see a little bit more out of some of these uh, other guys that they brought in, whether it's Jamerson or whatever. I think you're you're gonna see some guys on the field who had not previously been on the field just to give them some looks. Jamon Moore, I think we'll see more snaps from Jake Kumaro, some more snaps from Big Bob Tanyan. Uh, Randall Cobb is out of concussion protocol. Uh, he is going to play. That would be uh, a big boost for him going into an offseason where he d- he just doesn't know what his future is in Green Bay. And I don't think the Packers know either. So Rodgers, uh, you know, openly advocated for bringing him back. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen, but this is at least one more showcase for him to at least show the Packers or someone else that he is so capable of being a valuable player on an offense. I'm not convinced that's true. But it'll be at least an opportunity for him to do that. And then the guard situation is another thing to monitor because Jason Spriggs, uh, doubtful, did not make it through concussion protocol. It looks like uh, ditto for Equinemia, St. Brown, not going to play. But Lane Taylor was limited all week, but upgraded to full on Friday. These are projected um, designations, remember, because the Packers don't actually practice on Friday. They'll practice tomorrow on Saturday. And Lucas Patrick was limited all week. He's listed as questionable. So the guards are probably going to be some combination of Justin McRae and a guy. If both Patrick and Taylor are healthy, they'll probably be the starters. But uh, it's hard to predict either one of those guys is going to play this weekend. It's just really um, up in the air. And that would be another reason to not play Aaron Rodgers. If you're going to have to play backups to the backups to the backups, and all of a sudden you have to throw, you know, Adam Pankey out there, or you have to throw Alex Light out there, or you have to do some weird shuffling, and now you're playing totally unproven third-string dudes, and Aaron Rodgers is back there, that's not optimal for your team. So they they really need McCray and, and either Patrick or Taylor at the very least to be out there. Guys that have legitimate NFL experience, guys who can at least be passable. Otherwise, you really are putting your franchise at risk, and, and again... This is why I, I have not agreed with the, the, the idea of playing Rodgers and, and your primetime players, but it, it looks like they're going to. And so if you're the Packers, you have to hope that your offensive line especially can hold up in this game and that you're not jeopardizing someone like Jair Alexander. If he can't, if he's close, if it's a coin flip, he's got to sit. If Devontae Adams, I know he wants to get the record. If he's close, he's got to sit. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to play behind um, you know, a, a practice squad patchwork offensive line, then maybe you let him play a quarter or two, but then he's got to sit because you just can't risk your franchise players in a game that doesn't matter in the standings. All right, let's get to some of your questions. Um, I, again, I appreciate all the the well wishes during the holidays and and all of the texts and calls I got. Um, you know, wishing me and my family a Merry Christmas. Uh, truly do appreciate that. And I'm um, really heartened to see the kind of community that we have formed here on the Locked on Packers podcast. Uh, so let's get right into the questions. Hey, Peter. Hello, Peter. 
What's happening? Cody out of Cleveland, North Dakota, which I didn't know was a thing that existed. Wondering how you feel about the possibility of record hunting with Adams this game. I agree that everyone should be sitting, but since they aren't, why not hit two plus receptions, 133 yards, two touchdowns all in the same game? Let the man end a sad season as a legend. I, record hunting, I'm generally opposed to, uh, just in general. Um, but at the same time, at least when it, when it, when it weighs out the safety part of it. And if, if something happens to Devonte Adams, we've just seen that these other players aren't ready and they aren't capable of carrying this offense. So putting Adams out there in a meaningless game doesn't make sense to me, but if he's going to be out there, get him the record. And that doesn't mean, you know, forcing the ball to him and putting him in situations where he's going to take a bunch of hits. That's not what you want. But just letting him go out and get the record, yeah, if he's going to play, get him the ball. And and frankly, if he's going to play, then you should be you should be trying to get him the ball as much as possible because that's the way you win the game. Now, what you might see in a situation like this is in the red zone, for example, where Devontae has consistently been one of the most targeted players and, and most successful receivers in terms of getting into the end zone, maybe they call uh, something a little bit different. Maybe Rodgers looks a, a little bit different in terms of trying to get the ball to him in those situations. But, uh, you know, are they going to target him 15 times in this game to try and get him the record? I don't think so. In a perfect world, they're up you know, 21 to three at halftime and and he plays, you know, a couple more snaps and that's it. What you don't want is for him to be just a couple yards short. I think you play the game the way that it is and, and the way that the matchups dictate if he's going to be on the field and you just say, if he's close, then we have to, then we have to, to record hunt. Early in the game, it's not like you're going to see the first drive is going to be all throws to Devontae Adams. That's just not going to happen. Uh, these are two questions that I wanted to take sort of in tandem because they're related. The first is from Sherry in NYC, who always texts with so much energy. Uh, hey, Pete, please talk about these national talking heads commenting on how the Green Bay Packers have allowed Rodgers to control the team. What a dumb and predictable comment. Really? Rodgers controlled the team? Really? So Rodgers is the reason why the Packers did not select quality draft picks and no decent free agents under Ted Thompson? Right. It is Rodgers' fault that he was begging for a running game for the last five, six years, right? This national commentary is so ridiculous. Sorry for the rambling text, but some of this commentary is just so predictable and lazy. Sherry, you are absolutely right. I think if you're going to if you're going to have these anti-Rogers takes and and I understand if that's going to be your thing, that's going to be what you do, then, you know, we're just all going to accept that. If you're going to be someone like Skip Bayless or Colin Cowherd or Doug Gottlieb and and you just want to trash Rogers and that's just going to be how you decide to earn your living, that's fine. You own it. That's what you are. It's who you are. But understand that you're not living in reality. It is not Rodgers holding this team hostage. In fact, it's the other way around. It's Rodgers propping this team up. He is the reason that they have become complacent because he's so good. He's the reason that you can miss on draft picks and still be okay, specifically because he is so good. Where is the evidence that he is controlling this team? Where is that evidence? I understand that 
his impact is outsized in this organization relative to a lot of players and a lot of other organizations. But it's really fascinating to me that for a decade, everyone knew in the NFL that Peyton Manning ran Peyton Manning's offense. Not the offensive coordinator, not the head coach. It was Peyton Manning's offense. And oh, he's a coach on the field. And oh, he's so smart. And he's such a genius. And look at how great he is. And now that same basic premise is being being used as a cudgel against Aaron Rodgers. That he would be on the field changing plays and, and that he would be wanting to control the offense that he's running, that he is an expert in. Why is that so strange? Jim Kelly called his own plays and was a record-setting quarterback. Tom Brady changes plays at the line all the time. So why is this suddenly this narrative that Aaron Rodgers is controlling this team? No, the Packers needed to have done a better job institutionally of surrounding Rodgers with talent that would allow him to do less, give the ball to Aaron Jones a little bit more, structure an offense in such a way that that you don't rely on the virtuoso talent of your quarterback on every single snap. If Rodgers is controlling this team, it's only because the team has done such a poor job of putting Rodgers in a a position to succeed. And in spite of all of that, he has succeeded. So this idea that, oh, you know, you're going to have to babysit Rodgers and he's going to decide who the next head coach is and all of this stuff, it's nonsense. And and it, it is so inconsistent with the way that we think about other quarterbacks. Rodgers is a unique personality and a unique talent. And it is going to require the, the right personality to come in and coach him. That is, that is the nature of coaching any Hall of Fame quarterback. And getting that partnership right is very important. But this, this idea that Rodgers is somehow pulling the strings behind the scenes or, or everything the team does has to be to please Rodgers, it's just categorically false. It is an ahistorical representation of what we've seen for the last decade because Rodgers has advocated for all sorts of players to be re-signed who weren't, advocated for coaches to stay who didn't, and and so and advocated for adding free agent talent when they haven't. So if Rodgers is so in charge, why does this team have a history of not doing the things that he wants them to do? Even just this last offseason, you see Jordy Nelson out of town. You see Alex Van Pelt out of town. Those were two moves Rodgers felt like he should have been consulted on and wasn't. So where is the evidence that Rodgers is controlling things? And and that dovetails into this bit from Chad in New Mexico. Hey, Peter. Hello, Peter. What's happening? I'm going to have to say I think this season was good for the Packers and especially Aaron Rodgers. Seeing him smile in the Jets game made me think that he maybe he'll have a different attitude in games and not get frustrated. A losing season sucks, but maybe he knows that it's not the end of the world and he can have even more fun even in big games. Aaron always plays better when he's having fun and I enjoy watching him play football more when he's having fun. I'm going to agree and disagree with what Chad is saying here. 100% Rodgers is better when he's having fun. When he's out there flashing the belt and he's got a smile on his face and he's talking trash to the other team, that is when Rodgers is at his best. But there's a reason for that. It's because when you're playing well and you're making plays, you're able to have more fun. 
I mean, when you're winning, it's fun. When you're playing well, it's fun. When your team, when you're confident in the guys around you, that is what's fun. What isn't fun is not having faith in your coaching staff, not believing in the players around you to do their jobs because they don't consistently do their jobs, and and worrying every play that you have a guard that's going to blow a block or you have a backup offensive tackle who's not going to know where to be, is not going to catch the protection slide. And and again, this is not, let's deflect any blame from Aaron Rodgers, but it is it is a way of of getting to the heart of what was missing for most of this season. And I would say, you know, this is true going back even into 2015 and parts of 2016 when Rodgers just, he just really didn't look happy, didn't really look like he was having fun. And that's why it's so important that this next head coach finds a way to re-engage Rodgers, to get him excited every week about the game plan, excited to play, and to get him confident in what the game plan is, to get him going out there playing loose, playing like 2011 Aaron Rodgers, and when he's running around making plays, when he's smiling, when he's talking trash. And so it was so great to see him push Leonard Williams after Williams swung on Bulaga, because that is the kind of play. And I mentioned this earlier in the week. I don't think Rodgers makes that play six weeks ago. I don't think he does that. He was, when when McCarthy left and Philbin came in, there are a lot of players who have, have talked about, we bought in to what Joe was trying to do here. It's clear that they really like Joe Philbin. And there is such a difference. Anyone who's ever had a teacher that was just miserable or a boss who was a moron or a coworker who was just the worst, it was hard for you. And I'm not saying Mike McCarthy was that bad, but but the point here, this is a metaphor. Stick with me on this. It is if you're if you're excited to go into work every day because you're you're excited to see your coworkers, you're excited to do your job, to do your thing, you're gonna do it better. And it doesn't matter what it is. And you're gonna have more confidence in it. It's just so funny. I was I was at the game on on Sunday. And I was talking to this guy who was born and raised in Queens, but a lifelong Packer fan. And I used the metaphor with Rogers about being a carpenter. And it doesn't matter what job it is, but if if you're a carpenter, you swing that hammer. If you don't have confidence, you're not going to hit the, the nail as consistently as if you have confidence with it. So you say, well, why why is he being so inaccurate? That's not an issue of confidence. Well, yes, it is. Why is he not having fun? Well, because... He doesn't believe in what's happening here. He doesn't believe it's going to be successful. So even when it is, it's sort of a begrudging acceptance of what's going on. He he was not excited about the plan, not excited about his coach, not excited to play with his teammates until everyone bought in. Everyone is working as hard as Rodgers is. And suddenly he's going, whoa, I got to I gotta step my game up. And and that is, that is a, the point that Trent Dilfer made uh, on a podcast recently about being coached hard and Rodgers, his best games are when he's being coached hard. Early in his career in the NFL with the Packers, McCarthy coached him hard. Jeff Tedford coached him hard. He is best when he is in a situation where everyone is bought in. Everyone is being demanded their best and he has to deliver it. He holds himself to a high standard. That is true. But it's got to be hard every day. And it's, this just goes not just for Rodgers, but for plenty of the other guys. Devontae Adams, for example. No one works harder than him on his craft, route running, uh, on his body, on his explosiveness. And he's improved his hands. It's got to be tough for him. 
every day to go out there and play with rookies who don't necessarily know where to be every snap. And they're not as all in as he is because they don't know what it takes to be an NFL player, to be a high level NFL player. And so to get him re-engaged and to get him having fun again, that is so vital. It's so vital to have him engaged in that way, to be having fun. And the best way to have fun is to have a coach and players around you that you have confidence in, you have faith in to do your job because you know what's fun? Winning and, and playing well. That is fun. And when you have faith that you can do that, when you can go out and execute that plan, that is fun. And so the the winning and the playing well begets the fun, which begets more winning and playing well because Rodgers, we've seen it. He, he might be the greatest front-running quarterback ever. And that's not to say he's only a front-runner. But when it used, when Rodgers was in his prime, and, and you look at the you know 2009 through 2014 seasons, when he's at his peak, even the run-the-table seasons, when he gets you down, he buries you. And he, he talks all the time about the fourth quarter comebacks that he's had in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, the game-winning drives in the second quarter, in the third quarter. And when he gets a seven-point lead, he's going to make it 14 and then 17 and then 24. And now the game's over. That is what Rodgers at his best. He's, he's, a, he's a Mack truck rolling downhill. And when you get out to a fast start, that truck starts going a lot sooner. And then the game is more fun. And then you, you play better because you're having fun. You're loose and you're and you're just going out there and you're doing it. The Packers, everything was a struggle. Everything was a slog all season. And so how is he going to have fun? So now in these games that don't mean anything in the standings, he can just go out and play. And because they have faith in Philbin and they have faith that the guys around them now who seem to have bought in on a, on a higher level than they had previously... That can be fun and you can play better as a result, which creates more fun. All right, I want to end on this one. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? This is Hunter from North Aurora, Illinois. What a game that you attended in New York. So I'm really hype about the win, but I see so many Packer fans upset about it, wanting a better draft pick. I just don't get it. Why would you want your favorite team to lose? Considering what Bryant Gutekinds did last year, I have no worries about who we are going to draft and what pick we select. That love to hear your thoughts. I understand the, the fans that wanted a better draft pick. And I, I get that perspective. But it is hard for me to see how you can watch that game and go, man, that wasn't really fun. How can you, how can you watch that game and think, oh, that wasn't great? And, and to the conversation we just had about Aaron Rodgers... And getting him smiling again and having fun again. To get him and and everyone on this team who's coming back recommitted to what they're doing here. To get everyone pulling in the same direction. Maybe this really was a galvanizing moment for this team. To get them going in the right direction once again this offseason. Even if it doesn't push them into the playoffs. Which obviously it's not going to. But maybe it was something that this team can now build around. The guys that are coming back and push forward. Because now it looks like... They're committed once again to each other. They're having fun. They're playing well. This is all connected here. This is all part of the same principle. And so getting these opportunities, again, I don't think the, the risk is worth the reward here, but there is a reward. And if you're gonna if you're gonna not play, guys, and you're not gonna care about winning and losing, you don't do it for a draft pick. I don't care about the draft pick either. 
You do it because you don't want your star guys to get hurt. You still go out there and try and win the game. It's possible the Packers would have won with Deshaun Kaiser. They might have beat the Lions this week with Deshaun Kaiser. We don't know. So, But that's not the point. The point is to protect your players. So the, the draft pick argument, I have never, I have never liked... I never, I never thought it was the kind of thing that 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 worried me that much. The difference between ten and fourteen is not that big. The difference between fourteen and seventeen, not that big. Green Bay has enough ammunition, especially with that extra first, that they can do whatever they want in this draft. And Hunter's absolutely right. Packer fans should have faith that Brian Gutekunst can get it done. We'll be back on Monday to talk about all of the latest with the coaching rumors. The carousel will continue to turn, and and we'll get up to date on who's available who is without a job, and and what that might mean for the pool of candidates Green Bay is drawing from. We'll know more about what happened with Lincoln Riley, who seems very content at Oklahoma right now, but his quarterback is also leaving to go play either pro football or pro baseball. We'll see. And who knows what what his options are going to look like. Who knows if Green Bay really can tempt him to come to the NFL. We'll have a lot more to talk about next week when we have more information about who's available and who isn't. And I I think what we're going to do in order to make all of that work is we're going to push the show Monday night because I want to be able to get all the news from Monday in. Monday night, it'll come out Tuesday, and then we'll we'll figure out the schedule from there with, with everything going on. I understand New Year's makes things difficult. Um, but this is this is the reality that we're dealing with, and so there will be the New Year's pod. It will it will be timely enough um, because we're not going to be talking about game outcomes or anything like that. So remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the show on Spotify, on iTunes, the Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.